you know, or they're, especially with social media, they're so just trying to, like, jump into an algorithm or jump into whatever the latest trending topic is, you know, think about Instagram. You're always trying to, like, hop on, which makes total sense. Here's the next song that I need to be a part of. And because this song is getting likes or getting this or getting more attention. But maybe that song doesn't fit your brand. And maybe Instagram isn't even your brand. So a lot of times what I start with with Stephanita is going, who is your actual target audience? Not your current audience. Because your current audience may not be your ideal target audience. Your ideal target audience are those ones that are, they know, like, and trust you, obviously, but they also refer you. They're easy to work with. They listen to what you say. And I think that's a lot of what the missing parts are with all of these, what I call pop-up coaches or pop-up experts, when you're just like, I kind of want to go, dude, I actually am an expert. I've been doing this for 25 years. I've been living, breathing, storytelling since I was a child. I'm an expert because I've tested a lot of these things, too. Um, And just because you went to – you took two classes on something doesn't make you an expert. And so that's what I really try to, with my social media, educate people on what, what actually – what do you actually need? What does it look like? You know, and you brought, that's a good point, you know, being an expert. You know, you're taught, when you go to coaching, and coaches, for instance, because I am one of them, but mm-hmm. you're taught that the first thing you do when you get out and you get your certification after taking so many courses, and I only did it just for the fancy little certificate because I was already doing what I was doing before that, but right, right. is establish yourself as an expert. And it's like, but how are you an expert when you haven't even worked with a client or you haven't? done anything yet you don't even know what you're doing right right and you know it's kind of it's, uh, it's reminiscent of like when I got out of school I went to University of North Carolina at Capitol Hill we had an excellent journalism program one of the top in the country and I came out at 22 years old I'm so great everyone's just gonna hire me because I went to Carolina well I mean that gets you in the door because it's like any other school uh, like you go to these certain schools for networking as much as anything I'm like oh you I know what your education looks like you still have to know what you're talking about and you still have to be good at it and you still have to have results and you cannot be an expert without having someone saying behind you yes she taught me this she taught me this she taught me this because it may work in theory a lot of us create businesses because we're like I think we were saying in the pre-show, like we're we've solved a problem for ourselves, but can you solve it for someone else? Do you have the discernment to look at their situation and go, "Wow, that is not anything like what I've ever experienced." Every time I have, I work with a lot of people in the startup space, and I will think I've got a turnkey solution, and without fail, something new will come up. Then I'm like, okay, let me go back to what I've done before or let me look at what this looks like in the market now because I'm an expert. What I always say is I'm an expert on research and learning. Like 
okay, what do I need to do to quickly pivot for you? That's my job, right? Is my job is to pivot for you and to help you grow. And it's, yeah, so it's a really, that's a really tough topic because I don't want to begrudge anyone. You probably do feel really good about yourself, but somewhere along the way, you've got to have the, you've got to have the receipts, if you will, to show it. Well, and that's, that's it. You have to have that, that background and that knowledge, but also the care and want to do it. You know, a lot of this, you know, like the, I'm a big person against the coaching industry, even though I am one. Is, you know, a lot of these people, they coach from scripts, and you can Google coaching scripts. So when there's, you know, like when I was going to school for it just to get that certificate, I'd never ask questions on the script. I'd go around the script. And they'd be lost. They're like, well, you can't. I go, real life is not a script. We're not a Hollywood movie. You have to think outside the box and ask questions and do things and look at everything as a whole picture and not just this little variable. You know, and like for for me, I work with autistic families. I specialize and I trained all over the world thanks to COVID because everything, instead of coming Going there, everything became virtual for me so I could do it because I have two autistic kids. And being able to explain how to deal with life and be a parent and do everything, you can do all that. But it was hard to mm-hmm. narrow that down because, you know, five years ago, this field was very small. Yeah. And, you know, it is interesting you were talking about scripts. It's not Hollywood. I'm listening to a podcast about, did you ever watch Friday Night Lights? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that show. Okay, so I'm listening to is um, Scott Porter and Zach Griffin. I can't remember. I can't remember Zach's last name, but the two guys at Street and Harrison. And then they have they, um, a person who was on another Jason Tatum show. But you know what they talk about all the time is like going off script. And because they knew their characters so well, they knew the writing and the show so well, they could go off script and to adapt to make for a better experience for the audience. And we don't think about that. As coaches, if you're just going on script, you're not paying attention to the person in front of you. You're paying mm-hmm. attention to the script. Off script is where the magic happens. They, they said that Buddy Garrity, uh, that Buddy Garrity and um, Coach Taylor, they would go in, Brad and Kyle, and Kyle would say, Brad, did you see all these pages they have me wanting to write, say? And he was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm not saying any of them. You just keep talking and I'm just going to not. Because Coach Taylor doesn't talk. Like, it's true. So why are we as coaches staying on a script when our job is to listen to our clients? What do our clients need? That's where the magic happens. You know, and that's so true. And it's like that in just in life in general. It's like, you know, I was always taught you can't do and help others till you know who you are. And you have to figure out who you are and emphasize that through the business world. And you have to be happy with who you are and accept who you are. And that's the hardest obstacle that, you know, you can really go through. Is, I mean, you first starting out. That's so hard. Um, a lot of times, because business brings up, we really think about it. Business brings up all the trauma we've been through, 
and it, especially if he's working corporate or somewhere along the way, it brings up, oh, my gosh, so much stuff. So dealing with that while also serving people can be very tough. Where have you seen that show up in your life? I'm just curious. Um, most of my life, because I went through, you know, a bad childhood for the most part, and then I joined the Army, and, you know, to me, I was always a label. I was the cheerleader. I was the smart kid. I was the band kid. I was a soldier. I was this, this, and that, and you didn't, I had that wake-up call when I got discharged out of the Army, and I moved from San Antonio, Texas to the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, and having to figure out who I was and what my next step yep. in life was. Oh, wow. What would you do? And that was the hardest part. How did part. you have that? <laughs> um, I called the VA for therapy. They told me they'd call me. Oh, good for you. And they never called me. I'm still waiting five years later for a call. Oh, okay. Good. Great, <laughs> great. I was like, really? So, I have not call you back? <laughs> You're still waiting. That's the VA for you. But um, so both my kids were my blessing, but then they were the biggest challenge in life because they both were different variations of autistic. And so going through that struggle of figuring out what did I do to screw up my kids, especially with my military background, you know, and realizing, you know, it's just whatever, and learning about that and understanding, you know, I need to figure out the best way I can help them. Because when you Googled autism, there was never anything good. It always said all the bad things in the world, and I didn't want that for my kids. And so being labeled that to start with, and then the more I started working with, I had a client when I first started working with um, coaching is because I have this gift of being able to understand not what you say, but how you say it. And I can figure out really quick what's in your mind okay. drives my husband nuts because I know when he's full of crap right away. <laughs> and he, he always, he's like, well, how do you, I go, because it's not what you say. It's how you say things. It's all this other stuff. And she ended up being um, part of a Jehovah witness growing up and married into the system. And, and when she got divorced, she was, ostracized you know just she had to start like completely over and lost her kids lost everything and when I was working with her as my first client ever and I was open and honest I'm like you know I just finished I'm learning you know all this stuff but her life was so parallel to the transitioning of me in the military it just like this is what I need to be doing I understand I've been there I understand and it doesn't have to be the same thing. It just paralleled enough to where I could understand and empathize for what she's going through. And it just spiraled from there. So this is interesting. So that's a lot, like when we were talking before, um, beauty of being a because I do do PR for people, but I also do a PR coach, is a lot of your story and starting at this at that is basic, are what are you bringing into this? Um, what are you bringing into this relationship, if you will? What are you bringing into um, the 
business. And some of it is that. It's, wait a second, I'm also bringing, oh, this trauma that I've had. Or if I have this space that I'm going to be nervous about rejection because such and such rejected me when I was younger or whatever. And that's why hiring, like, an intune, you know, a coach that a lot of coaches will ask, and I think it's important to ask, does your faith or spirituality play into your business? Because those are things that we need to know so we can go, are you tapping into a higher power? So all of these things are interesting because your background is always, there's a reason why you get to where you are and why why you're doing where you are, why you're taking this crazy journey of entrepreneurship and there's something that's like you're so brave but you're also so scared and I love digging into that with people because I think there's healing in it as well when you look back and go oh my gosh I survived this or I survived that and dude what am I doing now and how I'm able to support people how I'm able to help people grow I just think that's such a cool part of what like you and I get to do in our work because we're taking trauma yeah I compared a lot to when you have kids and seeing them walk and talk for the first time seeing your clients (laughs) being able to that aha moment like oh my god it's not I didn't realize that's what it was that's what's holding me back yeah yeah it's a lot like the same feeling yeah I don't have kids. I have a niece and a nephew. So I do, I like, I remember cute little fun things about them, but I know people that have kids, that's a big deal for Like, you're like, wait a second, you're able to like function. And part of it is like having them function without us. I think that's the coolest thing. Like, I get the call back, like, Arden, oh my God, I did. I find being like, awesome. I'm so proud of you. Or getting the call two years later, like, I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. And here's how it's working for me. So, yeah, I like that. I like getting to be a part of people's success. And it's funny, you were talking about um, picking up trash on the side of the road. That's actually one thing I practice with myself all the time, is if I see trash, I pick it up. I'm humble enough to pick up somebody's trash. Now, I will say COVID changed a lot of that for me because it, I got very nervous. I was like, oh, you know, what is this homeless trash? So I try my like it's not everything, guys. I'm not like perfect, but if I see a receipt or if I see something, I'm like, what if I was just like humbling my? If I'm humble enough to pick up somebody else's trash, I'm certainly going to be humble enough to like serve them in ways that I find hard or I find like I think it's a it's a it's a leveling place for place for people, feeling for people to look at humble humbling themselves like that. You know, you pick up trash metaphorically and literally. Because if you look at it, when you help create, you get the voice to these people and teach them how to open their mouths and say what they do, giving them the words, you're helping them dispose of the trash that they normally would take a 10-minute spiel to stammer and stutter and explain what they do and narrow it down into a short little bit. So you're helping them get rid of all that excess. I really am. Like, that's just, I truly, truly, that's one of my biggest passions is going, hey, you know what? You don't need to say that. Or you know what I find when people, they go in, I'm like looking at a list for a client right now. Uh, They're in Georgia, and they want to be doing more outreach to people. And without 
whenever they go into, this is not the Georgia client, but a lot of my clients, their biggest fail when they go into a gym to pitch their business, because they do IV hydration and weight loss and all that kind of stuff, they'll say, here's what I do, and here's how great I am. And I'm like, dude, that is not what the gym wants to hear. What the gym wants to hear is, hey, well, what are your questions? Do you think your patients, your clients right now are struggling with hydration? Have you noticed them slowing down because it got so hot? Like in the South, it went from like 70s to 100 within this, almost within a span of a week. We didn't have that gradual warm-up. So our bodies did not get time to get used to it. And so what I teach people is you have to go in there so confident that all you're doing what it looks like is you're getting curious about the other person. You justifying yourself in front of that other person does not get you business. You have to already be justified within yourself. So when you're justified within yourself, you can be bold and say, hey, you know, like when I reached out to you, I was like, yeah, well, our first time we didn't get to talk, it didn't work out. I was fine. You're like, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm like, listen. It's fine. It's, it, it's nothing to do with either one of us. The right time will come when we're going to get to talk with each other. Because I'm very comfortable in knowing this is my story, this is how it's going to get shared, and this is the best way to, to do it, and it's always, 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 always going to work out for me. And that's what I have to teach people is it's always, always, always going to work out for you when you believe that. And it's so cool to watch them go, wait, so I don't have to, like, justify myself to everyone in the entire world. I'm like, no. You, all these media, social media posts about how great I am, how great I am, how great I am, like, I'm the best at this, I'm the best at that. Most of us don't care. We're like, but what do you do for me? Like, I always say your PR person should put you on the cover, not them. A lot of publicists, they get, they put themselves on the cover first. Like, that's what have you done for your clients, right? You have to be confident in yourself and all of this. And, and it goes back to picking up trash. Like, are you above picking up someone else's trash? No, you're not. We're here to serve, man. We're here to serve. You know, that's so true. Now, what advice would you give for people? Just, you know, pull up any social media. And all you hear is all this great and all this positive and how you can do this and do this and it's almost like it is either done through AI or is done through a template because it is like the same post done by 20 different people over and over and over again to break through that noise and attract the right person to hear what you're saying. That's a great question. So I know people love AI. I also think, especially in certain industries, what they, what people do is hire the same person, and that's in, in social media and that person because they're not putting a lot of money in it. If you hire a like thousand dollar, two thousand, three thousand dollar a month social media company, you're going to get customized, and you're going to get customized writing. You're going to get it, and it's going to sound like your authentic voice but because people cannot or do not want to pay that. I don't do social media for my company, so I'm, I just like tell it like really from an outside perspective. A lot of people only want to pay a couple hundred dollars. Well, you're going to get a cut and paste template because they're just talking about 
hair salons, right? Like they pulled twelve hair salons and all twelve hair salons in twelve different cities and but the, all the hair salons are following each other because they all follow the same person. So sometimes that's the problem is you've all hired the same person. The person is taking the easy way out. We're going, hey, you paid $500. You haven't paid for customization. You've paid for cut and paste. Another thing is a lot of people just don't, haven't taken the time to do a strategic plan. That's a lot of what I do, some strategic planning to figure out who they are. So when we talk about future ideal target audience, what's the problem that you solve? What are your communication channels? Um, what do you want to get out of this? People haven't taken the time to determine all of those factors. And that's where you fail. Um, I was watching a show recently, and they were just reiterating. I love when people reiterate what I already say, but most of the time you should just be, like, offering advice. You should be sharing, like, what, why are my sunglasses better than everyone else's? Not better than everyone else's, but what's effective about my sunglasses? I'm not comparing it to anyone else. I'm just telling you why my sunglasses were created and what makes them great. And that's all you're doing. You're just sharing information. The bulk of your work should actually come from your customization. It's through your email list. It's through speaking. It's through doing media like this. It's getting your name out there and allowing social media to be that standing advertisement, but it's not the bread and butter of what you do. As I said earlier, I was an advertiser. I was in the journalism school at Capitol Hill. I was actually an advertising major and creative writing minor. And that's how I got into PR, is I combined the, combined the best of those worlds. But if we really look at it, ads by themselves are not going to be what truly, truly makes us money, right? Like ads have become they're great, but ads are very, when we're looking at them from a visual standpoint, they're just, a, they're passing by. Ads on podcasts, I always tell people are much more beneficial because I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear the same ad on several different podcasts that I listen to. I'm going to go, I'm going to, you know, like I found out about Liquid IV through an ad or I found out about BetterHelp or whatever. Those are the ads that you put money into. Look at these ads that are like, not on a social media platform, unless you're a huge company that has tens of thousands of dollars to spend into it. Pour into the people who are already buying from you. Ask them to give you referrals in some way. Give them $20, $20 off of their next visit if they give you a referral. Build community again. That's where you're going to get the bulk of who you are. It also goes back to being comfortable with who you are. It is very hard to ask the community to recommend you if you're not comfortable with who you are. It's much easier to put out a blind social media post and hope for the best because all you can say if it doesn't get viewed is, well, the algorithm isn't kind to me today. There's it's much harder to get it to put an ask out there. That is so true. And that's where you get the other, you know, big thing is, is that, you know, people are so afraid of putting out there who they are, the real them. So, you know, everyone wants to be an influencer. All they care about is the likes 
and not the actual substance they post. So you aren't, you're just spinning your wheels. You're not getting your name out there in the sense of what you do and who you, who you are as an individual. You're just putting out there, you know, whatever's great in your life. You see all these million yeah, posts of, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just thinking, I was like, you're so right. Because here's the deal. Like people, I, I printed a course during the pandemic called PR in a Box. And it was basically all the things you need to create your own PR platform in a very, very condensed way. And in it, I talked about even then um, influencers versus impactors. So years ago, I was on my local television station talking about books. I had started, or I was part of a nonprofit, then I moved over to the library, and I, rec- I recommend books. I was on TV for 18 years recommending books. And I became very well known for recommending books. I became a book girl. So much so that lots of other stations added their own book segment. And, but I was never, this was before social media, but even then, even when social media came up, I was never an influence, but I was an impactor. Truly, people, unless you have a service that can be shared, you've got a white tank top that is the best white tank top ever created in the entire world, and everybody wants it. You don't need to be an influencer. You just need people locally buying from you. You need to be an impactor. And impactors make specific make specific people buy from them. They become the person that you go to for your uh, client that is like the creator of IV hydration classes, B to MP. She's better at it than anyone in the entire world. And she continually talks about it. But she continually talks about it not to be an influencer because she wants people to understand how to open their own business. Those are the people that are truly, truly powerful. And that's where the money comes in. So those likes generally do not equal purchases. You need people purchasing from you. And that's why you got to know where your audience is hanging out. And, and unless, again, unless you're selling the best white tank top I've ever found, and if you are, please contact me because I love white tank tops. You're not going to be, it's not going to make you the money that you want it to make. So hang out where your people are hanging out. Like you said, go network. Create an email list, write a book, do things that are going to make you stand out in this clutter marketplace. <laughs> and then that's kind of the cool part about the social media aspect is there's so many places that you can guest on different podcasts for free. You don't have mm-hmm. to pay to do that. And, that, right. you know, with our platform alone, I, I emphasize. You're doing what you're doing. You know what you're doing. That's great. Come on. I'd love to get the word out there of what you do. Right. And I have a podcast as well. Um, I have to lot about the podcast community. People show me for years to start one. I was like, I like just talking. I always say I have a face for TV, not a voice for radio. So I apologize that I don't have the greatest voice in the world. You know, radio people, they're just amazing voices. But I love this community, how we can just, I mean, I had a guy on my podcast that creates games, literal games, 
And he was trying to explain this to me, and I was like, buddy, just talk. I don't, I haven't played it. I've never even captured the princess in Super Mario Brothers, and he started dying laughing. I'm like, I just don't play games, but there's people like, out there that do. And you're what? What? I thought, you know, put clothes on. Go put clothes on. Where are my clothes on? This is real life. Don't get drunk. Yeah, I have two... Um, kids and everyone who follows the show knows they're special there. And so they have sensory issues when it comes to clothes. And especially oh, like yeah, now, yeah. it is humid as heck. Mm-hmm. And I have hardwood floors. So it is like mm-hmm. so hard to get that mugginess out. So my daughter's like, you've got to yell at her constantly, constantly to put clothes on. And for the most part, I do it more just as a, she knows I'm paying attention to her. Like now, yeah. I didn't yell at her in the last hour to put yeah. something on, so she comes out looking for me. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and that's what I love about the the way I I run this show is that we didn't prepare. I sent you a little thing saying we're gonna talk about you. That's it. I didn't give you a <laughs> list of questions. We just go off the cuff and do real life because that way our audience can see and people can hear you and who you are. Right. Yeah, and this is me. Like, I really am, because I've been doing this for so long, I know the business. And I also know, I, I'm like you. Like, I simply enjoy talking about it. I love talking about other people's businesses. And I love, like, sharing really cool insights. And how do we make this good for people? I we have a delay. Hello. There we go. Sorry. Um, okay. But you you enjoy this. This is fun for you. It's not where it is. It's work. Right. And I think I was listening to someone say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I really think that's a false statement because, dude, you know, sometimes it is work. And no matter how, and I want to encourage people with that too, like. Just because it's hard and you're not loving it and you'd rather be at the pool doesn't mean you're not good at what you're doing. doesn't mean you're not where you're supposed to be. It just means you're having one of those days. We were put on this earth to work, to be a provider of some way for some people. The world is run by commerce. And we got, I, I think it's a blessing to be able to enjoy most of the time what I do. But I think that's one thing I noticed with coaching people. They're like, shouldn't I be happy all the time with what I do? Because that's what people say. I'm like, no, sometimes it's work. Sometimes you're sitting there, and I'm writing a book right now, and I'm like, sometimes I'm sitting there, and I don't want to write a word. Or I'd rather just be on Amazon shopping for nothing that I'm not actually going to buy, but I'm lost in that world of Amazon. Right? Like, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not right. And that's been something that I've had to be, I've had to think about a lot before I came on here about even sharing my story is sometimes, and I think we, you and I were talking about that, is it's not always positive. It's not always, oh, my God, everyone's killing it. And I talk about people sometimes that I will be honest with your audience. I fully appreciate. I 
fully believe God is doing cool and wonderful things for me. I also get really frustrated when I see people who are like, God bless me again. God bless me again. I'm like, I love that for you, but there's 12 people on here who are feeling abandoned by whatever their higher power is. And I want to encourage people that sometimes it's okay to get real with, this is working out for her, but it is not working out for me. And I don't know if you, I wouldn't say you automatically share all of that. Don't, I would not share your pain until you're past the pain. But I do think there's times when you're like, listen, this is not where I wanted to be. I'm writing, that's my book is about grief and grieving where I thought I would be versus where I am. And that is okay too, to go, this is not where I thought I was going to be at this point. I thought I was going to be making half a million. My ideas are perfect. They're exactly what the marketplace needs. But there's been times that what I thought was going to hit has not hit. And you have to go back and regroup. And that's okay. It's okay to share. It's okay to say, this did not hit how I wanted to do. What I don't think is okay is calling out all. I saw a post recently about if I had t- they had me working for free and mean girls are still real and don't fall for mean girls. And I sent it to my coach, like somebody I work with, and I was like, what is this? Because I was like, is this about me? Because it was a project I had been part of. She was like, no, it's about her. She, could, she knew what she was getting into. You walked away from the project because you knew and you tried to fight for everyone on your way out, but also everyone has the, has the opportunity to say yes or no to something. And all of us have to take some ownership on that. And I have noticed when people get really sad or start posting what I call me and post, they stop taking ownership. There, it's everyone else's fault. It's not theirs. So I want to be. I want people to be careful about like posting things that are hard for you, or posting in the real to make sure you're not calling out someone else or trying to start a fight because that looks real bad for your brand if you're posting fights with people. Now, did you? I, I, I'm thinking about something I'm like man. This past year, I had a lot of grief in my life. And I did not work my business like I should have. I just did not because I was dealing with a lot of personal stuff. And share because that was on me to not work my business. I did not work my business like I should have. That's a failure that I'm willing to share. So when we were talking like it's not always happy-go-lucky, it's not. And those are failures. I think they're awesome to share. Like, hey, you know what? Learn from me. I was really sad. Things were not going how I needed them to go. This is on me, and here's how I'm fixing it. So I wanted to touch on that because I think we all have things. There's grace, but there's also, it's not anyone else's fault that your business isn't going how it should because somewhere along the line, we each are accountable for our own business. You know, and that is so true. And what I've learned, too, is that when you share the bad along with the good, that establishes you mm-hmm. more as an expert naturally than you just saying there saying, I'm an expert in what I do. That shows yeah. 
the real you as a person, not just this, I got this, you know, Lamborghini and because I make 20000 you know, a week or whatever it is, the new price point is insane. But I know. <laughs> who cares? Wow. I, me letting go of that, that was a really hard thing to let go of was I'm not hitting, you know, I've been both much. I hit my ten figure, you know, my five figure months or whatever. Um, but then it's like, well, you, you need to be hitting five figure weeks, and you need to be. And, and I started going, why? Who said that was the standard? And who said that was success? Because is my body in shape? Like, am I able to go work out? Am I able to spend time? Like, if my niece calls to just like tell me whatever happened at her four-year-old birthday party because she lives so far away from me am I able to do all of that am I sleeping or am I just so am I serving my clients that I have or am I constantly chasing your business I think this is really a toxic thing at times to just be shoving five-figure 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 weeks six-figure weeks seven-figure weeks like look how much money I made in two hours and it sets a really bad precedent and expectation that's not attainable. It's not. I'm sure for some people it is, but I tell people I do PR, and most of my retainers are a thousand or two thousand dollars a month because that's if we're working together, you should be able to recoup that and more from me. But a ten thousand dollar retainer could get you compressed. I don't know if you're going to get $20,000 worth of business out of it. You might, but you might not be able to handle $20,000 worth of business. And that's going to make you look worse and you're going to feel more frustrated. So my job is also to manage and go, where are you in the growth process? Because some people will come to me and they're like, I really want to work with you, but I know you're going to get me business that I can't handle yet. And I need to get there. That was a call earlier this morning. She was like, I don't even know if I have the infrastructure. I know I want to work with you, but I don't know if I have the infrastructure to work with you. And we had to talk about that, which is great for, like, it's a great compliment to me. But it's also, if I, if you hire me, we don't get, you know, we're going to get you speaking engagements. We're going to get you on these podcasts. We're going to get you on these things. Like, so you got to be able to answer it, and you got to be able to do it. And do you have that capability? And if I'm just taking your money because I want to take your money, I personally am not sleeping well at night. Other people might be. But for me, if I know I'm sitting on my 10th vacation of the year because I charged you ten grand for something that should have, like, my – PR in a box is $200. I mean, you can just knock it out of part for yourself for $200. If I sold a bunch of those, that's awesome. But if you hire me to do a strategic plan for you, and it's three months later, you've paid your bill, and I haven't handed you anything, but I'm on my next vacation, that doesn't sit well with me. So I think there's a balance of, like, realizing what we have a capability of handle and how do we deliver and charging market I value, bought not what you're like charging. <laughs> I bought your PR box when it came out a couple of years ago. Oh, thank you. 
that's actually how I built this radio show. This radio show has been here for 13 years, I believe. It's been a lot, long time. Yeah. And okay. so I took it over about a year ago, and it was mm-hmm. at its wheels. It was just not surviving. It didn't have social media. Okay. It didn't have anything. And so okay. over the past, I found it in my email about six months ago, and I'm like, I never got to look at this. And I looked at it, and I started <gasps> following your steps. You know, I called a, a buddy of mine the other day, the president of the Hope Collection, and I go, hey, guess what? We now have a hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> First, I'd explain to him what that meant, because he has no idea how to do any of this. But, <laughs> you know, like, your PR box actually works. When you follow it and you mold it to what you're doing and you know what you're doing and what you see, it works. It does. It really does. I worked very hard on that. That was years and years and years of experience poured into curating all the right, um, <coughs> all the right people. And I love it. I really do. It's important to me. It's, um, it does deal like why the price has been reduced to what it is now is because it's still got some 2020 stuff in there and I'm no longer like there's not coaching involved with it anymore, but there's still, it really is the value of it. Like it's so good, but so I need to create someone some who, and it works great for someone who does not know how to do anything. You know, you're just starting a business out. You don't know the online world. Because when I first started my business, I had no idea how to do social media. I didn't. To me, social media was something I used to stay in contact with with my husband's family because my husband doesn't have social media, ironically. And for my military friends that I couldn't afford to call them because they're over in Europe. It, so, it, it gives you the basic principles you need to develop your story. It tells you why story matters. A lot of people don't realize the value of story and what it does for our brains, how we remember things. Like we were talking about Friday Night Lights. Anyone that's watched Friday Night Lights still remembers so much of the storyline because the story was so good. And that's what story does is people remember, they're like, oh, wait a second, this one does this, and the story behind it is that. That's um, why Barbie is doing so well right now. Is we, I was like, their marketing team is just blowing out the water. I think there's a much better movie coming out the same day. I can't say the name of it because I can't pronounce it. With Matt B, it's got much higher leading stars in it, but and the two of them are, like, complementing each other. They're like, go see both of them. They're having this, there's no friction between them. It's like these are two different movies and we're doing a great job at promoting going back to the movies and having killer movies. And here's the story behind it. Um, but people remember story. You have your own relationships with these things. and You have to remind people who you are. And realtors. I work with realtors. And realtors in North Carolina, probably half the people here have a real estate license. Well, what do they do with that? How do how does one realtor look different from another look different from another? And you got to tell that story, and you got to figure out what makes you different. You know, how do you stand apart? You know, that's the hard part. It's like the coaching well, industry. I'm, Everybody's a coach. Well, it's it starts with who you serve. So 
standing apart is I think it starts with who you serve, and then it also then goes into your why, your why behind it, and it needs to be a business why. It doesn't need to be especially for women. You support my kids. That's awesome, but I don't have kids, so why should I hire you? This is just mean, but like, if I don't have kids, what what does supporting my kids have to do with anything? I here's why I do what I do, and it is because my passion. We'll, we'll do it with you today. Why did you do? Why did you start your coaching business? Because, see, like, for me, it's because of my kids. Because, you know, I live in an area where it's two hours away to services to help for autism kids. And what I found out when I started researching it was because um, the therapy that's a go-to here in the United States has been banned throughout the world. It's uh, applied behavioral something, um, ADA therapy. And it's considered child abuse and stuff like that. And I wanted my kids not have to go to a full-time school or a full-time job at two and three years old. I wanted them to be okay. kids. And I, I knew there was a better world or a better way of doing it. And I learned different ways combined, did different things. Hang on one second. I got a garbage man that comes at the wrong time. <laughs> but, you know, and that's where for oh, me, man. my kids are my story. And that's, and my client audience or my clients are families and parents that are struggling and not knowing how to deal with their kids. And they don't so have to be your story. Your, yeah. your story is it because if you're just helping your kids, what does no matter what, there's your case study to separate it out. Your story is actually I want families and clients to know their this solution works. Right? Like and you work for my kids, but I want them to know that. So when you lead with, this will work for you. You always lead with you. I've been fundraising for a while, and it always started with, you do this. You're a great participant with the library because of that. You, you're the most important person. We always start with you. So that's the, next, that's the step is you, my audience, it feels the same feelings that I have felt with my kids. Here's why this. Here's why what I do will also help you. Kind of does that make sense? Like your kids might be your wife, and for women, no matter what, it's a family thing of some sort. But you can, you can keep that. But on the forward facing, your front page may maybe needs to be those of you listening. You, my target audience, you also have this pain point. This is a solution for your pain point. Does that make sense? It does. You know, it's like with the radio show when I did the post, you know, people ask, so was the target audience? I go, well, it depends on the show. Hometown Heroes, our target audience is everyone from 18 to 100 that is looking to, that's got an issue, and they're looking for ways to solve it. We highlight individuals that have issues. So it's a very blanket, very open um, target audience depending on what each individual issue or what they're looking for. And then from there, we branch them into different, you know, like, you know, you and me talked about, you know, coming when we launch our get, uh, business shows coming up after Labor Day, you know, that's going to be a different audience. Mm-hmm. We have different shows for different yeah. audiences. Yeah. And that's where the people pitching you have to know how they fit in, right? They have to know, 
Well, this is who I talk to. So it's your audience. So if you're pitching media, so right now I have a client who is, his name's Rich, Richard Chambers. He is a black man in business who teaches and helps people mid-career and or middle management. The entire world, as we talked about, only wants to talk about CEOs. But most of the world is going to be middle, middle management most of your life. Growing in middle management, there are very few people publicly to talk to. Has helped so many people older and younger than him navigate this middle management. He's 45, mid 40. Well, I, I mentioned he was a black man because this is Minority Mental Health Month. And Rich is kicking off his new business, Rich the Coach, talking mental health for minorities. Well, the problem he's solving is going to be what is that mental health, how does mental health impact your job, your career, right? How does it impact your certain ways that you grow as, um, um, as in your career, right? When I was talking about grief. I had a stagnant point when I was dealing with a lot of different breathing. Well, we need to talk about that. And in the minority community, in the male community, it's talked about differently. So that's the problem Rich solved. But I can't go and somebody wants a woman entrepreneur to talk about this, whether they're a minority, like women are, most, I guess women are still minorities. Um, I always say that, but I'm like, where are we? I feel like we're everywhere. But you want to talk to women entrepreneurs, well, Rich isn't the right pitch for that. Rich may work with women, but he's not a man or he's not a woman. You have the people out here, you've got to pitch to your actual person you're talking to. So as I'm pitching him, one station I'm pitching because their audience needs to hear about this. Another, their audience is mostly black men. So I will talk about here is a light, light, and here's you can talk to him in a safe space. You've got to know, again, it goes back to knowing who you are to get comfortable pitching to the right people and not pitching to just everyone. Now, that's your, if you have a PR person, your PR person does that. If you don't, we can, we can coach you or just listen to this and it'll help you get there. Right. You know, and that's part of like with this radio show and when we expand the TV coming up, you know, I've talked a lot about this, is, you know, I am who I am. I cannot talk about, you know, inner city, African-American, Spanish communities about what their struggles are because I don't know. And as we grow the station, I want to grow and get these voices of these people who lived it and live in it every day to be able to explain what, I can relate a little bit, not really. You know, it'd be like, you know, for me, it was, you know, being a female in the military. I didn't have all those horror stories that a lot of the females did. I had a little bit of issues being a female, but for the most part, you know, I got along with everybody. So I can't talk about these things because I don't know. Yeah, but you can listen and you can, like, you can get curious. I am a blonde, tall, white woman. I have that my experience is my experience. However, I represent literally of all walks of life, all colors, all creeds. I'm a Christian. I work with people that are Jew, whatever it is. 
because I have learned to sit in space with people and hear them for who they are, hear what's important to them, and also not for myself. Like you said, I'm not going to put myself in your shoes. And I ask the same of you. You don't know what it's like to walk in and have everyone, like every man look at you and think you're an idiot because you're blonde. Like, blondie, now that's not the journey today and how I've had to, I've gotten myself in trouble about overcompensating for that. We all overcompensate in certain ways until we get comfortable with who we are, and that's part of defining who you are is, yep, I'm blonde, yes. Most people don't know what I am. Mary, most people don't know what I am. That's true, country, (laughs) ironically as it is. Wait, what is that? Joel Griffin, founder of the show. The founder of the show mentored with me for 20 years, and 18 of those years, he never had a clue that I was Afro-American. In the South, Mary hears me say all the time, get in where you fit in. So how do you know all that stuff? Number one, I'm from White County. I was born four miles from where the KKK was originated in White County. I went to an all-white college, the first Afro-American-owned college campus in 62 years, and I was the only one there. I was a misfit, misplaced, never fit in, only one that looks like I look like when I show up at the camp. And most of the time, people would look at me like, what is he doing here? How did he get here? (laughs) Who is that? He must be somebody important if he's here. So Mary learned, taught me in my older age about how to accept the good with the bad. And some people are not going to understand who you are as the mighty Aquarian. Mm-hmm. I can be water. You can turn me up and boil me, but you can freeze me. Whatever you put me mm-hmm. in contact with, I become part of. As a matter of fact, you can't even live without me. I'm I'm the breath of life, water, the mighty Aquarian man. So I can, was trying to relate to some of the stuff that you guys were saying, but when you start to do what you do, deal in intellectual properties, and you actually are a visionary and you see things in areas that your client may not see, and even after you explain it to them, it may not make no sense to them because, again, if your mechanic explains to you how you need a head job, (laughs) I'll just kind of use that as an example, you might think he means completely different stuff than what you were thinking. But at the same time, Mary has been able to teach us take the good with the bad. What we have to understand now is we're not good at everything. If we was good at everything, then we wouldn't need anybody else. That's why you guys that have been around for a while hear me say it's a blessing to be a blessing because if everybody could bless themselves and we would need each other, just go ahead and wave a wand over yourself. If you're not too selfish, sprinkle your family while you're, while you're at it. But that's what the whole foundation is doing. And that's why we have you on the show. Now, Mary is able with her infinite wisdom to take the best of the best from the North to South to East 
and the West and allow every single person to come in and do their very, 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 very best. I love it when I say ain't nobody can do what you do, like you do, when you do, what you do. We just feel so honored and privileged just to be able to do it with you because we need people that have different mindsets, that can see things from multi-perspectives and offer intelligent, uh, uh, good, good decisions on what will work, what might work, and we'll be the first to tell you, and our coach will stop right here, Mary. When it comes to life coaching, I'll be the first to tell you. I may not be able to tell you everything that works, but I can tell you what not to do. I'll stop right there. Well, and I also think it's interesting if you don't – I did know you were a black man from the South as soon as you talked. Oh, that's my job is to know where people – See, I'm not the only one, country. Uh, Yeah, I knew exactly. Uh, But also, like, I'm from the South. I do work with a – and I think that where you have to hire people that ask – I work with a ton of nurses. I can tell you all sorts of things about nursing that I can never stick you, right, because I've learned about the process, and I've learned – and but when you don't know, you have to ask, and you have to say, if I'm working with a realtor, and they're like, "This is an escrow," I was like, "That's bad or that's good, right?" That's the other thing when you're working with a coach. A co- that's where the expert thing. I am an expert in this, but I'm not an expert in every person on this earth. So I think that's where getting curious, that Brene Brown thing of just getting curious of, tell me more about your story and. What is it like to be to have been the only black man going through all of this? I have in the room a lot of times, and everyone's like, "Is she okay with that?" And until it was pointed out to me, I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to feel okay with that. That again goes back to being okay with who you are, and like, this is the room God has put me in, and this is the room I'm going to be in. If we all were more like that, like, I'm just stop stop putting expectations on each other and just being the best version of ourselves, I do believe you're going to do better in business. You're going to do better with your public image. You're going to do better for your clients. And that just it goes back to what we've beginning talked about is doing the work on yourself, right? And on but what, what, but, but what does one do at this point of their life we used to say, oh, we, you train a child up, and we try to reach them while they're young. And my grandmama used to always say, country boy, your age has nothing to do with your intelligence level. I'm surprised now, and I'm not trying to belittle anybody because they tell me I have more degrees than a thermometer, but your degrees are not going to get you no front row seat in heaven. It's amazing, though, that people are in there. Excuse my French, y'all. 40s, 50s, 60s, and don't have a clue on what their life-given purpose is. I make it a point to ask somebody every day, what do you really love? What do you like? What's your life-given purpose? If I ask them right up front what their life-given purpose is, they'll look at me like, what are you talking about? What do you really love? What's your passion? Well, I don't know. I really haven't thought about it in a while. I'm like, what? 
how do you live not knowing what your purpose is, but you'd be surprised on how many people was brought up, go to school, get a good education, go get a job, work 40 years, and get a go watch in the pension plan and live happily ever after. But nobody really ever asked them what they really love to do. I have a friend of mine who spent about $800,000 in his education to become an English teacher. And I told him I speak English, and I didn't have to pay to learn it. You want to know why you can't find work being an English teacher? Did you think about what your passion was before? Some people don't. I'm a Gen Xer, and I'm a late Gen Xer. Boomers and Gen Xers were not asked, were not taught to ask questions about purpose. They were not taught to about any of this. They were taught to get up, go to work, go to, you know, go to college, go to work. Go to, so this is a relatively new thing in society to actually seek purpose and to seek passion. Um, that's probably what you're running into is it's a new phenomenon and you know you think about boomers boomers are just trying to get the number of wars i did an interview on my podcast with someone who was a jeffrey epstein survivor and she's a little bit older than me and we were taught growing up you fight or flight you say no or you say yes and she didn't say either and she thought she had said yes only just now putting language to how we feel and what we want to do. You were given privilege to be able to even unpack that earlier in your life. There's not everyone was given that or had that curiosity. People still don't have that curiosity. Most people get up, go to work, take a job, go home. That's all they have to, they're just making ends meet they're providing for a family, that's all they have the opportunity to do because that's all they can do. We're talking most of the world, right? There's not the getting curious about your purpose because I don't have time for my purpose. I have to put food on the table for my kids. Right. The American dream was set up that... I got to go get some figs. Uh, I've got a one o'clock. I'm sorry, y'all. I thought this was 12 to 1. I have a one o'clock meeting. Nope, you're good. We we actually ran over. Okay. All right. We will continue this later. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Please do. Okay. Bye. Bye. Mary. So, yes, sir. Okay. Okay. We're going to coast to a good landing. We're not going to crash land like that, are we? Of course not. <laughs> okay. So as we ran over, go ahead, and, uh, Mary. Just so if some people came in, I know Diane was listening in, and a couple of folks were in the background. Uh, give them the cliff notes on what they should have got out of this call today, in case they was not able to follow all the parts and get in on the real good, juicy hot spots that you guys talked about. Of course. So. Today, we had our special guest, Arden McLaughlin, who is a PR specialist and helps people figure out, one, what they do, and two, give them that voice to be able to understand what they do and why they do what they do. And being yourself, being who you are, 
and having that voice to be able to stand out in the crowd is crucial in creating a business and establishing a business. Being able to put yourself with a clear message and telling your story is crucial. And not just your story of everything's great. It is your story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. No, you want to be able to be an impactor, not an influencer. And in our society today, everybody wants to be the influencer, which means we always, most people only care about their life. How many people saw their posts? It's better to have fewer people see your post, resonate with it, than it is to have the whole world see your post and no one resonates with your post. Your story, your brand is crucial with a clear message for you to establish your business and get repeat clients. Having that consistent message of what you do and how you do it and being authentic to you is crucial to building a business. At the same time, being okay with sharing using your own voice is the only way to be able to build and grow your business. Coming up after Labor Day when we launch our business shows coming up in the evenings, she will be back as a regular guest talking about different techniques and different ways to build your business and your PR. You know, being selective and fitting with your audience and talking to your audience, not just talking to anyone who's willing to listen. Different things like that. Being able to establish why you are an expert in your field, you know, Everybody says they're an expert. Great. But why are you that expert? We know to explain that. Explain why you do what you do and how you know what you do. And a clear, short, concise message is what's going to stand you apart. Just stating that you're an expert is not going to help. So, as we ran over today, thank you for joining yeah, us. Yeah, but still, we- Go ahead. Barry, one last thought. Yep. One last thought. Again, regardless of where people are at this particular point in time of their life, if you've never asked yourself that very, very, very imperative question on what am I here for, what is my God-given purpose, what is that one thing that I love passionately that I would do it seven days a week that would put a smile on my face even if I did not get paid to do it. Mary has taught me better than anybody after all the teachers about taking the good with the bad. We want to hear your good side, but sometimes the bad side is what makes you have a good side. So we want you to come forward. Let us know what areas of your life that you like, what areas of your life that you love. 
show us what you're working with, and we'll show you how to get in where you fit in because every single person on this planet has something that they can do better than anybody because ain't nobody can do what you do, like you do, when you do, what you do, and we feel honored and privileged just to be able to do anything with you. So make sure and stay tuned in and join us as we grow this world and make it better together. That's it, Mary. So join us tomorrow for Travel Tuesday with Rick Reese. Ron will be out of town, so I will be special co-hosting with Rick tomorrow. So have a good day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow at noon. Thank you for tuning in to Optimize My Life Radio. We hope you found today's show insightful and empowering. Remember to follow us on social media at Optimize My Life for updates, additional resources, and to stay connected with our community. Join us back here tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern for another enriching episode as we continue our journey towards a more fulfilling and optimized life. Until then, take care, and remember to make each day count. Hey, when you talk to Bobnex, and do me a favor, I tried talking to him about it, but he doesn't listen to me. He needs to start moving his phone. When next time you talk to Bob, you can talk to him about muting his phone. I have tried. He just ignores me. He just he's been coming in with such loud backgrounds. If it's the TV in the background or if it's in the car, I don't. It's just. Right, which which is fine, but he can always hit that little mute button right next to it. <laughs>